0: three four uh five six it looks like we have a quorum of attendees as well so uh with everyone else here uh, i'd like to call this meeting to order uh thank you very much to everyone who is in attendance um Sorry, my brain is farting on your name. Serena, could you go through uh, the rules of engagement for online meetings and then a roll call of attendees, please?
1: Sure, okay. Um, Good evening, my name is Serena Pearson, um, marketing specialist with Lawrence Transit. Um, With me here is Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager, and he will work alongside Mike Wesikowski to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Adam and myself will facilitate the Zoom portion of the meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access channel cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you're not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left hand side of the zoom menu next to the video icon. When you're muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video on and off by clicking the video icon on the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on when you are participating in the meeting. When you are not participating, it is okay to turn your video off. Just remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. If you're participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between Speaker and gallery view. Speaker view uh, shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Um, And now I'll turn the meeting back over to PTAC Chair Mike Waskowski.
0: Thank you. Uh, Roll call, please. Uh, P TAC members.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, Lance Fay. Looks like he is. I
0: saw him online, but apparently he is off now. Oh. We'll consider him absent for the time being.
2: That was
1: me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, he normally comes in person, so.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Max, Max Uh,
2: Here.
1: Mike Wasikowski. Present. Nick Kuzmiak.
2: Here.
1: Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory Critchlow. It's not
0: coming. You do not see him online. Yeah.
1: Bill Wilson.
2: August Rudisell. Here. And Freddie Gibb. Here. Okay. We
1: have six. Thank you very
0: much. Yeah, that's six people, so we have a quorum. Yes. Okay. Uh, next item on the agenda is public comment. I see nothing is attached to the agenda for public comment, so I assume nobody sent any uh, emails, whatnot to us and looking at the view that it's now on the camera, I do not see anyone present in the room. So uh, unless there is someone online that I'm not seeing who wants to provide public comments,
3: Uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager there. Yeah, there's no one here in the room with us. So we did not receive any written comment.
0: Sounds great, thank you very much. Uh, next I am on the agenda then is to approve the minutes. This will be to approve the October and the November month. Uh, we will consider those in separate motions. So uh, first the uh, minutes from the October meeting. Uh, thank you, Transit staff for putting these together to us. Um, I hope that everyone's had an opportunity to review the minutes from our October meeting. So as always, I'll provide three opportunities to offer amendments to the minutes. Uh, So does anyone have any amendments to offer to the minutes from the October meeting? Second call, are there any amendments to offer to the uh, October minutes?
2: Last call, any amendments to offer to the minutes?
0: Hearing none, then the October minutes are approved through unanimous consent. Uh, Second bundle then is the November minutes, which are separate. So um, please, if you haven't had time, please take a look at them quickly. And again, I will offer three opportunities Does anyone have
2: any amendments to offer to the minutes from the November meeting? Second call Are there any amendments to offer? Last call Any amendments? Hearing none, the
0: minutes for the November uh, PTAC meeting are approved by unanimous consent. Next item on the agenda is the strategic plan discussion with city manager Craig Owens, who I see is now on the line with us. Uh, So welcome Craig Owens, Uh, floor is yours to discuss the strategic plan for the city.
4: Well, thanks very much. uh, City Manager Craig Goins. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I really appreciate the work of this uh, committee. Um, I I am um, on my merry tour to talk about the um, strategic plan that hopefully you're more than a little familiar with by now. But um, what we recognized was um, we've kind of past a, a a milestone or a threshold that we've really done a lot of the uh the build up in a lot more detail put a lot more detail into this there's um i, I visited with um our um, city staff in uh, small groups about 65 meetings that I had going around and talking with uh, all the people that are going to be doing the work to uh, implement the strategic planning process. And we thought this might be a good thing also to share with um, the volunteer boards and commissions that are doing a lot of the policy work uh, because uh, you have your agendas that are moving us forward and uh, the more that we can get that alignment and kind of give you context to what this the community Community in the city are trying to do. Uh, we think the better uh, the outcomes will be, and getting alignment is an important an important thing in any organization, but in particular, a public organization that has such a wide variety of um, undertakings and commitments that it has. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on how we got to this place, where the the genesis of the strategic plan, how, how we uh, created it as a community, and then um, kind of what are the key framework uh, elements in there, and then I'll uh, be really excited to uh, dialogue with you and answer any questions that you might have at that. Um, so, we have 48 boards and commissions. And um, while I'm not visiting with all 48, I'm doing several of the ones that are the most active and that have a lot of interaction with our, str- our strategic priorities of the community. Um, the, um the the beginnings of this uh, you may be familiar with the prior strategic plan it was our first community our community's first strategic plan that happened about five years ago and it was kind of the blue document that you saw on the walls or in some of the city facilities. But what it did was it established the general idea of what a strategic plan is. So things that are take a long time to do, that are difficult, um, and that take step multiple steps in them, it's important to put strategically put those things in there. And understand why we're trying to do what we're doing, and uh, communicate uh, through a common plan of how, what, who's responsible for what, and how do we get there. Um, so that first plan was good, and that it kind of articulated that. And it kind of got us used to thinking a little bit more strategically. Um, so when we came to uh, uh, updating it and building the new one, uh, there were some things that we thought we could do to improve on where we were. First of all, the first document was a really good document that was built by the elected leadership of the community with some staff input and um, and a little bit of staff uh, or a little bit of um, public comment, but mostly it was a it was a, a, a document and a plan that was built by the elected leadership. Um, What we wanted to do this time was we really wanted to start with a big foundation of listening, hearing from the community and what their priorities might be. So um, I asked, um, our, all, all of our staff, uh, 888 people I invited, and I said, I need some help on going to the community and listening to the community, hoping we get 20 people. We had 50 volunteer say that they would go help us do this listening process. We did some training on how to engage the community and what we needed out of this process. and. Um, Went out into the community, we tried to go where people were already gathering and talking and dreaming about their community where they already having conversations about what they'd like to see in their community. Um, And so we asked for invitations to places, groups that already met, we asked for uh, invitations to where people were already um, meeting and gathering. Um, We did tabling at the library. We did tabling at the sports pavilion. We tried to get in the way of what people were doing at their lives so that they could give us a little bit of that feedback. We also had, you know, kind of focus group type things. We invited people in and asked people to sign up and then come together with their neighbors uh, all throughout the different, the community and share their thoughts with us. And so through that whole process, I was very proud that we had 3000 people um, uh, give us their ideas of what they'd like to see in this community. And I thought that was very effective. The other thing uh, we did was we were intentional trying to get to people that don't usually get invited. We were trying to ask them for feedback, uh, people that um, uh, aren't always the usual ones that participate. Uh, we tried to find where they were and ask them um, to give us their ideas. And I think that was helpful. And one of the ways that I think was effective in getting to that is that our, our uh, workforce, the the people, the team members that work for the city um, are part of the community. They connect in different ways. And because we asked a whole different variety of people to help us with that work, I think they did use those connections that they have those unique connections. They have with the with the uh, community, and we did get some some good diverse perspectives of um, from people in Lawrence. So we took that three thousand those three thousand uh, pieces of data, the information that we gave we uh, and we kind of curated those with the elected leadership and with city staff, uh, and um, and with through public meetings. And kind of developed it into um, and organized it into five key outcome areas. And if I can share my screen here really quickly, um, I'll, I'm going to go to our website. So hopefully you can see this. Um, and this is all on the website, everything I'll reference here is on the website uh, for everybody to use and reference and, um, and uh, help, help as a guide uh, so that it's publicly available. Um, so each one of these areas is one that we kind of organized the data that we got out of our listening process. And those were unmistakable identity, strong, welcoming neighborhoods, safe and secure, prosperity and economic security and connected city. So these five different areas kind of comprise everything we heard we were supposed to be doing or we were in business to do. And it's another thing that made was a little different than the first strategic plan. The first strategic plan kind of just assumed that we'd keep doing most of the stuff that we've always done. It didn't really, it, it added a few new priorities to the list, but it didn't really account for everything that we were in business to do. Our undertaking here is to say this strategic plan sets us on a path to do for the things that we're in business to do, and that those are all of our priorities are in one place, which I think is important when we're in a in a, a situation of limited and competing resources. So. Um, each one of these, if you click on them, behind them is a, a data dashboard or a scorecard so that we can help measure and understand are we making in progress, are we making a difference in the areas that we intended to do. So this, this uh, strategic plan is about being proactive and it's about being intentional and about defining results. Um, and so each of these scorecards we probably have um, 70 or 80 measures that we narrowed it to. We narrowed it to about 70 or 80 measures and each one of these areas has its own scorecard and I'll caution you when you look at it, um, we've worked very hard at finding the right measures that we really think will indicate success and indicate progress. Some of them have these cute little orange cones and they're still under construction and I'm, I'm proud of the orange cones, mainly because um, those, those really reflect that we didn't compromise. We knew the right measure uh, was w- what was there, but we just didn't ha- yet have the data to um, to demonstrate that yet. So we will have to build that data, but rather than compromise and pick a measure that just happened to be the, the data we did have, we were very um, kind of stubbornly um, committed to making sure that we kept the right measures. So over time, we'll develop those longitudinal measures and it'll be a good, um, it'll be a good, um, uh, dial for us to watch and, and use to help us adjust our path and adjust our course and be creative and make uh, different changes. So that's what you'll find in behind each one of these. The other piece that's really important in this framework, which that um, actually made makes our our work harder, but I believe better is um, that we we heard from the community. What we do is very important. But how we do it is just as important, and so it's very important that we built into our plan hardwired these commitment areas. This is a how we do the work that we've been asked to do. Those are the areas of community engagement, efficient, effective processes, equity and inclusion, sound fiscal stewardship, engaged and empowered teams and environmental sustainability. So we believe that success has to be, has to account for each of these, these um, commitment areas. This has success can only be really achieved if we are put in balance each of these six different areas. And you'll see on the scorecard, there are um, there are measurements for each of these these um, commitments in each outcome area scorecard. So that's in in a, very briefly, that's the. Um, That's the framework, Um, You'll see statements in here that are too too small to read, but when you go to the website, you'll see that there's some uh, statements that really describe each of the outcome areas and each of the commitment areas. And we really had two audiences in mind when we were developing that language. Uh, We wanted the the 3000 plus people that contributed their ideas and dreams and expectations to really get a sense that we heard them. So we wanted to reflect back to them that we heard what they had asked us to do and that that language was rich enough to account for those those key points. Um, the second audience was that you know we've got all of these uh, talented team members that will be doing the work throughout all these different areas, and and, and I would include you, um, the volunteers that are contributing to this through your policy advice and guidance. That. Um, we want you to understand this is what we're intending to do. This is what we're trying to achieve so that when we go through our work, uh, we can stay clear on, on, the, on the path that we're on. So I talk fast um, and this is a summary of thousands of hours of work that obviously that's happened through a lot of different people's contributions and efforts, but I'm happy to now kind of pause and, and answer any questions that you have. and I'll stop sharing.
0: This is Mike Wozniakowski, Ptech Chair. Do any of my fellow committee members have questions for city manager?
5: Yeah, this is Nick Kuzmiak, tech member. So Hi, Nick. Craig, I know you just presented to us on MMTC last week and You're I don't know how I missed double this, dipping. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of forgot that there was all these metrics within each, um, all these progress indicators under each, what, what, what is it called? Outcome. Um, and they're pretty interesting. It's it's very similar to what you can see on T2040, the Transportation Comprehensive Plan, and it kind of shows on a glance where you are. So I would encourage other members of PTEC if you haven't browsed through it, it's pretty cool. Um, the one that looks like it immediately applies to PTEC would be cost per passenger trip on Lawrence Transit. It's currently at ten dollars and nine cents. Could you explain that one a little bit more? Because there's no other links to figure out how that number was arrived at. That seems really high for what I thought was a one dollar ticket. So. I'm not sure I fully understand this metric.
3: Sure, Nick. Uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. So that particular metric is, uh, it compares the cost of providing the service. So how much you pay the bus operator, uh, not only wages, but benefits, insurance, taxes, all that. Um, How much it costs to run the vehicle, the maintenance on that vehicle with gasoline. All, All of that leads to a cost per revenue hour divided by the money we get from fares. So it's a measure of your efficiency. Um, it is a proxy for you know the more people you have riding on any given bus or within a given hour, your cost comes down. So um, it's you know you can look at ridership, but that is kind of a big number that um, that crosses. Um, it, it can hide maybe inefficiency. This is a way to think about: Are we are we using the hours and resources the best that we can? Um, That number did jump up quite a bit higher than it has been recently, um, due to some of the challenges we saw through COVID and the data that's come out of that. Our you know ridership was much lower in a time that we did not reduce service, Um, did not reduce service for equity reasons, and we had some uh, federal dollar support to help with that. But moving forward, I think we we continue to want to push that dial in a way that um, that makes sense and makes us focused on providing the service in the right places and not just. you know, everywhere. Cool. Thanks for the uh, further
5: clarification. I kind of suspected that it was the cost that the city pays. I guess it'd be probably city plus KU, or is it just city? And also, um, you mentioned grants. Does it take into effect um, into account the amount that grants help pay for things like capital expenditures? And uh, what else was I going to say? Also, where did that five dollar per? What is it? Five dollar per passenger ships um, benchmark come from? Is that a natural, sorry, a national standard? Or is that just something internally that we've come up with? And if this is too much in the weeds, we can always you know do it some other time, but I, I do think it's probably one of the only directly transit oriented metrics here.
3: Um, yeah, Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. I can peel the curtain back a little bit more. We are starting to get into the weeds, but um, so that number is one that we have historically been close to over the years we've we've dipped below it a couple of times so it was uh, a benchmark that we saw historically as one that would push us a little bit to be as efficient as we have been before Um, it is um, a challenging metric across the different sizes of transit organizations throughout the country some of the larger ones may in fact be able to you know get very close to cost of what somebody pays is about what it costs to provide that service a lot of the agencies agencies our size are not are not going to be able to achieve that um you know we we provide a service it's not a business model right people are are um, paying for that hour of service on the street um, but the cost of a fare isn't covering that it's it's our local tax money, it's federal and state dollars helping supplement that. Uh, So I hope that helps frame it a little bit. Uh, As far as other metrics that that look towards transit, I would point you to a a couple others that I I do think are um, kind of directly what we would aim to move the needle on. Uh, There's an early metric about percent of residents satisfied with different modes of transportation, transit being one of those. Um, there's a metric that looks at percent of automobile trips in our community. So that's one where we certainly want to try to push um, that percentage to have fewer purely automobile trips. So um, and there's another one related to equity and access, you know, how we provide access to um, transportation disadvantaged populations in our community, either through fixed route service or on-demand service. So there's a handful in there that I think we really identify with as as um, we look to the activities that we do, where we put our money, where we put our resources, our project time um, to try to move the needle on those those particular um, those particular progress indicators. That makes sense.
5: Um, does the there's one for uh, city used energy that is renewable for fleet and fuel. does that count transit as well or because they're run by a contractor it doesn't there still are buses though right?
3: Yep, Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager, we're definitely in that one too. Um, okay. I know it wasn't I, was, I know it wasn't gonna hit them all. So yeah, I think you'll, <laughs> I think you'll also find, you know, some of the work we do will bleed over into other outcome areas. It's by nature this um this framework is set up where there, there is going to be this cross outcome, cross-departmental impacts. So the things we're doing related to art and to sustainability, you might see show up in Uh, some of the other outcome areas where it may not be quite as um, like a direct finger on the needle, but we do still see a role in in how we help those areas.
5: Thank you for the explanation. I'll um, continue to explore the metrics then.
0: Mike Wazkowski, PTAC Chair. Uh, thanks for all those questions and the good discussion, Adam. Do any of the other PTAC members have uh, questions for the city manager?
2: Yeah, I, the only one that I
0: really have, Adam, for you in particular is relating to that cost per passenger trip on Lawrence Transit. Um, obviously, one way to change that balance is how much or how many people were able to convince to get on the buses, um, but that is inherently related to how much we charge people to get on a bus. I mean, I've seen studies that show that even charging someone a quarter to get on the bus is going to stop a sizable proportion of people from hopping on. So just back of the envelope, you don't have to have an have an answer, obviously, but what would be the impact of like removing fares from this kind of calculation? Um, what where would we be at right now, do you think if we didn't account for the revenue that we get from fares on this?
3: Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. And there is, you're right, there's two sides of that dial. Um, You know, one is that it's a revenue source. The other is that it can limit your ridership. So, I mean, I think we've heard from the community uh, a desire to see what fare-free means for, for us. And, um, our group's committed to explore that, um, as, especially as we get into route redesign and trying to get, uh, encourage people to get on some newly designed routes um, and new transit center and all of that that's, that's upcoming. Um, you know, the, the metric is looking at your cost to provide the service, which we don't anticipate changing other than the natural increase in cost that. Everything is brought recently and um, some commitments we're about to make uh, to invest more in our bus operators and dispatchers and, uh, and those folks to keep them with us and encourage others to join us. Um, but as your ridership goes up, that, that metric looks more and more favorable. Um, so historically, let's say 2019 and before, we're approaching about half a million dollars in fair revenue each year. Uh, which would be the rough cost to provide a route with 30-minute service, 30-minute frequency? Um, so you can, you can maybe that'll give you some touch points as to what um, you know that amount of money helps provide us on the street. There are other moving, um, you know, levers coming ahead of us. We and I have this later on the the agenda, but. I think we do anticipate some changes with the infrastructure bill. It looks like there may be some additional formula funds that could reach us um, both through the federal and the state levels. We have some idea of what that could be, but no clear picture until some of that gets a little farther in the process and we get some policy analysis to help us understand that. Um, But we've got some other pieces where it's not, um, we may not only need to work exactly within the, the, financial structure that we are now there might be some some moving pieces that help us in the future. So hopefully that helps. But uh, let me know if if you need any clarification.
0: That's fine. Thank you very much. Uh, That's really the kind of discussion I was hoping for. Um, That is truthfully that it's, we've made a lot of progress, I think, on uh, getting uh, Um, more, making it more affordable for people to ride this year, but there's still obvious roadblocks there that I think we need to take care of at some point in the future, and I hope we can. Um, Only other thing I'll add on this before we close. Uh, uh, echoing Nick's comments, if you haven't taken a look at the dashboard that the city has published, I do recommend it. It's really fascinating, at least to me. Uh, The other thing that I would add is we can look at things that directly implicate Lawrence Transit, but we need to look at other things that are indirectly associated with Lawrence Transit across this dashboard and across the strategic plan, because uh, everyone's right. This is a wicked problem. Nobody really knows what it means to have a solution to this, because we have to come up with the problem ourselves and then say when we solved it. So, um, you have to understand all the nuances of that. And I think that everyone taking a little bit of time to read through it would be beneficial to us going into next year. Uh, With that, uh, thank you very much for your time. uh, Craig Owens, appreciate you uh, stopping by and chatting with us.
4: City Manager Craig Owens, it's it's my pleasure. I really appreciate the work that you do. And um, uh, thanks for the the time today and the, the great conversation. Good luck.
0: Of course, thank you. Okay, um, next item on our agenda then is uh, number two, consider point designating an alternate to the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization Transportation 2050 Steering Committee. That is quite a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, so it uh, appears that MPO staff are going to present that. So i um, not sure who yeah. that is exactly. Jessica Mortinger.
6: I'm here. Hi, Jessica. Hi, transportation planning manager with the Lawrence Douglas County Metropolitan Planning Organization. Today, we're bringing before you the establish our um, Metropolitan Planning Organization policy board established a steering committee to help staff guide the work over the next probably year and a half um, to develop a new plan to replace transportation. 2040 we will be called out the out year 20. Transportation 2050. Um, and that process looks at a multimodal melding of all of the existing mode specific plans we have. So thinking about pedestrian plan, bike plan, transit operation planning, um, and then does some forecasting about projects. And we're looking for a representative from PTAC um, to sit on that committee. In terms of time commitments, we would probably over that year and a half period, I assume have, I'm gonna just guess six to eight meetings. Um, you'll, there'll be a lot of information to review. We will end up with a hundreds of pages document um, that reflects the community conversation that we have through public engagement um, and also all of those plans in kind of a cohesive way um, to represent that plan for the next five years until we update it again, as we're federally required to do every five years. So I'd be happy to entertain any questions you may have. But um, we're looking for an appointment, oftentimes we do an appointment and an alternate in case um, for some reason um, you have membership issues, you know, like somebody's membership term expires or if there's availability issues, we'll wait until we get the appointments of all of the bodies um, to kind of work with members to try to schedule a time that works best for everyone.
3: I might add one thing, Jessica. So, yep. Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, for the uh, few of you that are on other steering committees and groups right now, just a outlook on those responsibilities. Um, Mike, you probably have uh, one more meeting with us for the. Transit facility artist selection. I would imagine that responsibility would close. And then August and Freddie, um, we've got scheduled one more route redesign steering committee meeting before the year ends. It's very possible that might move. So after the new year with some of the holidays, but I would anticipate one more meeting there before those responsibilities would close. So I guess just uh, recognize that as you think about your availability to help with something like this, that hopefully some of the other things that um, you all have stepped in to help with Uh, SHOULD BE TRANSITIONING OUT VERY SOON.
0: Uh, THANK YOU, uh, JESSICA AND ADAM. Uh, THIS IS MIKE WASKOWSKI, p CHAIR, ASKING DO ANY OF THE COMMITTEE MEMBERS HAVE ANY QUESTIONS FOR JESSICA ABOUT WHAT THE ROLES, RESPONSIBILITIES, WHATNOT WOULD BE FOR BEING ON THIS COMMITTEE?
7: August Rudisell, uh, PTAC. I'm just more curious about the content of the meetings. Is it a lot of just um, bylaw review or, or policy review, I guess? Is it a lot of interchanging or ongoing dialogue for where the city's moving as far as transportation? I just kind of get a feel of what the content of the meetings are
6: sure thanks doc it's jessica Moringer, transportation planning manager the content is really high level so we're writing um, basically what is federally required to be a fiscally constrained plan for the entire region so we're looking at all of the revenues that are coming in for transportation making projections about how all the systems are operating together we're soliciting the community for input about um, things they would like to see or their satisfaction with different modes of transportation. Um, And then we're coming up hopefully to pull all those strategies in some of those existing plans and identify other ones that maybe are unmet in those existing plans around ways that we should move forward. So often it's at a very high level. Um, You can kind of take a look at the existing Transportation 2040, if you're interested. Um, It governs everything from street classifications that tell us how we are um, constructing our streets, how that's tied into um, street design standards, to um, looking at funding uh, in terms of programming and looking at um, like level of service on the roadway for future projected projects. Um, It could be looking at transit impacts as part of that modeling too. We're going to try to pursue that. So it's kind of looking at the total picture and piecing that together. In the end, it's really about federal funding eligibility so if you want to fund something that is in like you want to fund a major reconstruction of a roadway if it's not in the plan then the feds are likely to not fund it so they're really looking for consistency that you at a high level have identified stuff so like our plan you know we're going to be probably for transit consideration going to be talking about um Uh, zero emission vehicles, you know, like thinking about what we mean for that or transit passenger amenities at a high level or regional service um, in terms of things that in the next five years, we would really feel like we would want to work and make
2: progress on. Hopefully that answers your question. It did. Thank you very much.
0: question, August. Uh, this is Mike Wozkowski PTAC Chair. Do you, any other uh, members of the committee have uh, comments, questions for uh, Jessica?
5: Nick, who's me PTAC? So, um So I guess I'll start with I'm not going to be volunteering for this because I I will, first of all, not be on PTAC next year, but also I, I do plan to take on more responsibilities in MMTC. That though is a foreshadowing to anybody who's maybe on the fence or considering it. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a time, um, I guess a time burden, but um, T-2050 is is about as important, I would say, as Plan 2040 in, in that it is a really comprehensive view at everything that makes up transportation in Lawrence and Douglas County. So if you're enjoying what you're doing on p but feel like, I wish I could do m- more without maybe being on a full committee for a full year, um, this could be a nice kind of gateway into looking at our transportation system in a more holistic manner. So if you like things like metrics, for example, that we saw in the strategic plan, T2040 is chock, fuel, chock full of them. And I have a feeling for T2050, those will be updated significantly. And they have stuff like, you know, the percentage of trips that is that are taken in a single occupancy vehicle, or I don't know, maybe there's something in there about transfer coverage, I don't know. So if there's something that you feel like we'd like to move the needle on, or make a little bit more progress on than we might currently be, then this could be your opportunity to have some very useful input into that. Um, not only from just a transit perspective, but any form of transportation that you're familiar with. So, Just throwing that out there.
0: Thank you, Nick. Uh, sorry to see you go from the committee, but I understand you got limited time and need to focus your efforts. So kudos to you uh, and good luck on that. Uh, so thank you. and. Again, uh, Mike Wazkowski PTAC chair asking do any other members have comments or questions about
2: uh, volunteering on this committee? Hearing none, I'll ask the titular
0: question and uh, risk hearing nothing. uh, Does anyone want to volunteer to be PTAC's representative on this committee?
7: This is August, so I'd like to volunteer as the PTAC uh, representative.
0: Thank you, August. Um, Are there any other members of the committee who would like to uh, volunteer for this
2: committee? Okay, uh
0: hearing none, you know that's a good sign uh, August. i uh, I think you will be our be a great representative for us um since we need an alternate, uh, I'd like to offer myself up again. Um, so uh, at this time I guess we'll entertain a motion. Does anyone want to m- make a motion about this?
5: Excuse me P-TECH, I'll do my best. <laughs> I would motion that we, that we appoint August Rudisell as the PTEC representative to the um, Transportation 2050 Steering Committee with Mike Wasikowski as alternate slash
0: backup. Thank you, Nick. Uh, motion is on the floor. Is there a second for this motion?
2: Second, Al Ackland, UTAC member.
0: Thank you, Alan. Uh, I'll give one last opportunity for discussion before we call for a vote. If anyone has any last comments, questions. I figured not. Uh, Serena, could you go through a roll call on this vote, please?
1: Sure. Uh, Lance is not here. Uh, Max Schieber?
4: Uh, Yay.
1: Okay. Uh, Mike Wazikowski? Aye. Uh, Nick Kuzmiak?
2: Yay.
1: Ellen Ackland? Aye. Uh, Gregory Critchlow is not here. And Bill Wilson is has not arrived, has he? No. Uh, August Rudisell. Yes. And Freddie Gipp. Yes. Oh, you're here. Okay.
0: Yep. Sounds like a unanimous 6-0 vote. Yes. Thank you very much.
6: Thank you. We will be in touch in early 2022.
0: Sounds lovely, appreciate it. Uh, consider that agenda item closed then. Uh, thank you everyone for the great discussion. Uh, next item on the agenda is uh, or transit staff presenting a list of accomplishments for Lawrence Transit and PTAC from 2021. So with that, Adam, you have the floor and I assume you have something you wanna share.
3: Yes, uh, so Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. Um, Looking at the December agenda, I just didn't want to get lost. All the work that this group had done throughout this year. I think it's easy to kind of get mired in just the month after month meetings and forget where where we've come. So I did include an attachment um, and I'll put this up on the screen just to briefly mention some of the the highlights and what this group has accomplished throughout this year um, because it has been quite a lot. I broke it into a few different areas. one was was the more formal action items that the group took throughout the year, things that actually needed voted on. Um First wanted to mention the committee support that has been given by a number of members. And then um, also we had a number of other items where there were no specific action items, but um, had a lot of discussion and feedback that helped guide staff's work. So uh to call out some of these, you know, we made um, a lot of progress with the support of this group related to lower no emission vehicles. We got um, support from this group on another low no grant application that was awarded. Um, we got uh, we're, we're waiting to hear back on the access innovation and collaboration grant through the state. Um, that this group supported and, and wrote a letter of support, but I be- believe we'll get good news on something out of that group, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. And then we will see on the bus and bus facilities, grant application uh, if we're able to get some additional electric buses through that. Um, so that, that's no small feat if we're able to get through, uh, you know, a lot of additional outside grant dollars for this community, um, some really important projects that will uh, improve transit for, for people who ride every day. Obviously, the transit facility project has been in the works for close to a decade. This group helped move forward, you know, selecting an engineering firm, um, you know, excited to be able to share more on that project in the near future with this group and with the community um, as we get through it. And then a couple of key policy changes that again, just, you know, I think made immediate impacts on people who ride and use the system. Um, I don't want that to be lost. So making it easier for people to grocery shop on the bus with the way we treat carts and, st- and strollers also, you know, um, mothers traveling with children, um, fathers traveling with children, and then uh, also just the amount and, and kind of process for people to get uh, donated fares um, was was a big change for this group. So. Um, that work is critical. I mentioned August and Freddie on the route redesign steering committee. That's been you know a close to a year long uh, group of meetings. We've had some extra meetings put in there as we've uh, compressed some of that work towards the end of this year. So you both have committed a lot of time. Um, it's very much appreciated for a, a really complex process. It is not simple to redesign an entire bus system um, and all the routes and and your your thoughts on that has been really important. Um, Lance isn't here tonight, but you know, he plugged into the Ped Plan Steering Committee. So um, pedestrian plan greatly influences what the experience is like for transit riders. Um, Mike was on a very long meeting today and will be on probably another one related to uh, artist selection for the transit facility. Um, That'll be something that's very lasting in the community. The selection of an artist, the eventual inclusion of some type of art piece at that transit facility. should be something that has a, a lot of longevity so that that work is is critical as well. Of course, there's a number of other um, things that this group helps uh, provide guidance on. You know, We have our annual route changes, uh, mobile fare, uh, which just launched a couple of weeks ago is, is a big deal for our community. It's not something that every agency our size has so um, you know, e- even looking towards uh, Potential for fare free service in our future, Um, you know, having this group still provide enough guidance to get us through Um, mobile fare payment in the meantime provides a lot of benefit to passengers, Um, particularly people who may not always have the extra time to go to the grocery store to get um, to get the paper versions of passes. Obviously with the transit facility, both downtown and the main site, you know, a lot of input and feedback from this group on uh, programming, you know what elements will be at each of those places. Um, you know, working through challenges with the temporary site downtown and and how we fit in the best with that community um, have provided a lot of of input on. So, just wanted to make sure we took this time to recognize all that work and don't just completely forget about it and move on to next year. There will be plenty of great work to do next year, but uh, didn't want the really important good work that was done this year to be to be lost. So. Um, with that, if there's any questions or, or anything from the group, happy to take them, but I uh, just wanted to recognize your all's work through 2021.
0: As Mike Wozkowski, PTAC chair, I'll just open it to the floor. Does anyone have anything to comment on or question about our accomplishments from this past year?
7: This is August. My daughter works at Joanne's Fabric on 27th Street, and yesterday I took her a fountain, or Saturday, I can't remember, and driving home crossing Iowa on the 27th Street, I saw the new bus stops. And every time I see those things, I'm reminded of how amazing it is to have those permanent, wonderful structures at, uh, across the town. Uh, you know, when I started writing back in the day, there weren't as many of, of actual shelters, and so it just feels good that the people who ride in the buses today have more uh, refuge when they're waiting for a transit system. And I, I really appreciate that. It was good to see. Every time I see one of those, I drive past it. And I think about uh, how things have improved.
0: Thanks, August. Uh, anybody else on the committee have comments, questions about our accomplishments this year?
5: Nick Kuzmiak, P-Tech, Just to comment that this is a really useful list, honestly. Um, this is the kind of thing that I think as an executive summary could be shown to city commission to kind of prove that P-TECH is a useful board to have. It's good to show to MMTC even to show kind of what's going on in the one part of transit that we as a commission don't really touch. And I, I feel like it should maybe be a template if possible for um, I don't know. I know this is putting extra work on city staff but if other staff the A-Sons were to do this I feel like it would give a lot greater of a sense of accomplishment at the end of the year for commission members. So I can't guarantee that's possible for all boards but It would certainly be nice because it was very useful to look at this and be like, oh, yeah, we did do all that stuff. So um, kudos to Adam for starting a new tradition here, (laughs) and I hope to see this replicated elsewhere.
0: Thanks, Nick. Um, I, too, echo that. um, I'm a big fan of doing after-action reviews, retrospectives, whatever you want to call them, of your work over time. So thank you, Adam, for putting this together. give one last call. Uh, Anybody on
2: the committee want to comment or have questions for the city staff? Okay, Uh, hearing none, thank you very much, and we will go on to uh,
0: uh, next item agenda, which is uh, under PTAC member items, future agenda items or work session items to add. So uh, uh, obviously, Nick, you can't offer since you're not on the future committee, but that's all right. Uh, If anyone has uh, anything they want to bring up now about uh, the committee's operations or future agenda items that they want to discuss in 2022, uh, you can bring them up now. You can also email myself, Adam, and Vice Chair Lance Fahey, and we will definitely consider it going into
2: next year's first meeting. Any uh, comments, questions, concerns?
0: Okay, Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Next item on the agenda then is an update on the pedestrian plan, which is unfortunately Lance Faye to provide an update uh, and he is not here. Uh, Adam, do you have any knowledge of what's been going on the pedestrian plan that you can share with us?
3: I see Nick coming off mute and he's probably the better, uh, oh. better vehicle to help us deliver that message.
5: Hey, p Tech I'm the second best vehicle here. So <laughs> Jessica probably would have been the best, but it looks like she signed off. So um, so me and Gregory and Lance are all on this. So there's a lot of Tech and MMTC representation, which is helpful because you know uh, pedestrian travel does come under our preview quite a bit. So. Um, I'm going to do my best to kind of recap what we did last time, but essentially uh, November 18th was our final planned meeting. There will probably be a couple more in the future, but at this point we've gotten to, let's see. Um, So there was a survey that MPO staff and I believe other city staff and even some pedestrian planning committee volunteers basically sent out all over town and did a whole lot of tabling at various events per our suggestions and they were good ideas and uh, we collect a lot of information. I don't recall how many responses, but it was definitely in the hundreds. So that's something, uh, let's see. There were 565 responses overall. So we got a lot of good information about, you know, visual preference of sidewalks, types of streets, a lot of interesting comments and um, some suggestions for, you know, for example, what's the worst intersection you can think of, what's the best and what are your priorities for where sidewalks should go and how crossings should be? Um, it's a really interesting set of survey uh, results. So I'm going to share that in the comments if that's possible. And then if you're interested, you can, I'll share it to Adam here.
7: Was that the so, worst intersection as a pedestrian? Yes.
5: Um, I believe most people who responded were, pede- or were frequent pedestrians. So it's not like we have a whole lot of people who never walk. Um, but in general, I would say there were some particularly interesting results in there that a quick read-through will show you, like, uh, for example, pretty much uh, there's a, <laughs> a vast majority of people do believe that most streets should have sidewalks on both sides of the street. And the smaller the streets, the lower that uh, majority gets. Till we get to neighborhood streets, where only slightly more than half of respondents thought that we actually need sidewalks on both sides of the street. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think what else is of interest here. The next step is. Um, I believe there is an action list based off of previous discussions with the public and so i guess i'm trying to i'm trying to kind of ad-lib here as i read the minutes all right i forget exactly what the action list was all about but i think the most important thing is that the draft pedestrian plan is coming out next so staff is going to be working on that over the next couple of months and i think sometime in the mid to late spring we're going to see a draft of that and the pedestrian plan steering committee We'll have a part in reviewing it and making recommendations and kind of checking to make sure that everything we thought should be included actually was included. So anyway, um, it's been a really interesting project so far, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a part of it. Um, I would encourage everybody, if you need some light bedtime reading, to check out the results of that survey, because it's pretty interesting and it does have ramifications for transit as well.
0: Thank you very much for that improvised uh... Delivery, Nick, really appreciate it. Um, you know, it's hard to think of exactly where public transit and pedestrians intertwine sometimes, but uh, a lot of people who ride transit end up having to walk somewhere to finish off their ride under our current structure and probably even will, will under our new uh, route redesign with some micro transit stuff. So we have to make the city accessible to people by walking. So I think it's vital that we consider it at least
2: yeah
5: and i mean technically every trip is is multimodal unless you truly are going from parking garage to you know like from door to door every trip is Mm -hmm. a multimodal trip so so it's Mm -hmm. important that all all uh transportation users of all types kind of have input to the plan and understand what's kind of going on
0: so do any uh ptac members other have
2: questions about the pedestrian plan Hearing none. uh, Thank you very much, Nick. Really
0: informative, and I intend to keep looking at that because it's a really fascinating survey to me so far. Uh, Next item on the agenda is transit staff items. It looks like uh, Adam, you had updates on uh, four different things here.
3: Yes, so Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. And uh, before I dive into those, I did want to recognize a couple of people. Um, Nick, just did want to thank you for your time on this group. As, as you head out, you've been um, a good voice, asked a lot of great questions. So um, it'd be good to see you have a little more time on the other committees and groups you're a part of um, to dive into that. But we really do appreciate the the work you've done with us. Thanks. It's been a good run, I think. And then I did also want to thank um, Serena Pearson here in the room with me. Serena is retiring from her position with the city. Um, she'll be leaving us this Thursday. So it's coming up quick um, and we've been working to um, find out how we adjust with, without <laughs> Serena here with us. Um, but just wanted to um, thank her and for her help with this group and for everything that we do and and um, her work with the community has been really important um, the last several years. So. Um, an opportunity for this group to say thank you, virtual round of applause, that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Serena, it's difficult to think of who will be able to replace oh, you. Oh, yeah.
1: So <laughs> thank you very much for your tenure here. Thank you. Thank you so much.
3: All right. All right. So I will um, I'll dive into these other items. Um so we do have you know, a couple of our larger projects as we get towards the end of the year, um, making some adjustments on how we move forward. And I'll start with the transit facility. Um, I'd hoped to have some updated uh, site plan, floor plan renderings to share with you this month. Um, those are still kind of an active, uh, active iterative process right now as we, as we work through those um, with our uh, engineering team and with KU. Uh, We do plan to be in pretty good shape right around the beginning of the year. um, Sometime in January for us to be able to take back out uh, updated site plan, floor plan of the building and uh, some renderings, some 3D renderings uh, for for public input. So we're looking at having a few different meetings in January, um, probably some in person, probably some virtual. Um, We'll want to to do ones that are, um, you know, reaching general members of the community, but also KU students. So we'll be thoughtful about that. Um, and after we get some of that public response and feedback, um, you know, hopefully they will see uh, reflected in these updated um, images. Hopefully they'll see a reflection of what we heard from people back uh, last this last April and June when we were talking with people about the programming elements of this project um, you know the types of things people want to see in the facility places to sit indoor space restrooms lobby um, you know components for bus operators like a break room um, things like that there's how, how does bike access work to and from the site pedestrian access since we just talked about that um, you know hopefully a lot of that stuff will be reflected in where we've come uh, for the development of this but in january we'll get some thoughts and feedback from the public on on how it's shaping up. Um, And then we'll be able to bring that to this group um, and also to the the city commission to reflect on what we've heard and where things have come from the public as we keep moving through design. Um, A reminder that because this project is on uh, KU property and it will be um, actually transferred to KU endowment before we uh, build the facility on it since it's going that route, it's not going to go through the normal city development processes through the planning commission and and things like that. Certainly we'll still, um, you know, any adjacent KU and city property aims to follow the same um, city code and expectations and KU has design standards. So there'll be a lot of eyes on this as far as um, review and engineers and ADA considerations and and all the things you'd want to see out of a good Public project, um, but since it's not going through those normal planning processes, we're we're finding kind of uh, hopefully the right way to get it in front of the public at appropriate times, and then back to you all, and and sharing that back with city commission. Um, so that's where we're headed with some of the next steps of that project timeline as well um, is tightening up. Um, it's we. We are all but, well, we are 100% certain to not have a building, a facility ready by August 1st of 2022. There is a slim chance we could have the site ready to bring buses on and off it in um, in August of 2022. Um, now, in discussing with our, our engineering team and others, um, KU and, and internal staff, more and more reluctant to... Uh, Kind of push to open a site that is not complete, um, you know we're going to be asking people to adjust to route redesign when this facility opens, and um, you know it's uh, like I said, close to a decade in the making. Um, there, you get one chance for a first impression and for, for uh, the community to really uh, step in and value this new facility. So. At this point, we're leaning towards wanting to open up the entire site altogether when everything is ready, rather than uh, trying to operationally get buses on and off the site, but not have a building that's done, not have public restrooms. Maybe the maybe there's still heavy equipment, you know, in operation on the site. That is um, not a great first impression customer experience for for bus passengers. So um, we are looking at January of twenty three. 2023 being a more likely uh, achievable um, opening date. We also have concerns related to. um, Just inflated prices of of things right now, steel and and concrete and things like that, that trying to get that stuff on site and ready in August um, could be something that we likely can't afford uh, in project budget. Um, And pushing to 2023 maybe allows us to to fit uh, a little better with our um, with our resources so uh, you know obviously in an ideal world uh, we we'd like to be still aiming for that august date that's um, you know beginning of a semester um, is the a, a nice time to be able to open something new change routes um, and january is less uh, ideal but maybe something that we um, that we have to adjust to I only get one chance to build this, this new type of facility. So we just wanna make sure we do it right. But with that, I'll probably pause and see if there's questions related to that project. It's August Fudus on
7: PTAC. Is the downtown portion of this whole project gonna be
3: splintered off into its own? Or is it, I was just kind of curious on how that's gonna continue? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Adam Weigel, transit and parking manager. So we advanced um, last month at City Commission, we advanced a the next scope of work for the downtown facility. Um, it is going to be on a different timeline. Um, we'll likely be doing public engagement most of next year related to that project. Then design work would start. Um, so you're probably talking about the following year. Um, Could be August of 2023 could be January of 24 is a more likely opening date for anything downtown because we got a lot of work to do leading up to identifying the appropriate site um, before we can go full speed ahead on design and construction. So it does become a, a pretty separated project.
0: Thanks for question, August, and the comments, Adam. Uh, do any other members have
2: uh, comments, questions, concerns about transit facility? Okay, um,
3: route redesign. Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. So I alluded to um, what implementation of this might look like. Um, I do think there's still, uh, we've got work to do with KU uh, still on Um, exactly what we're comfortable with as far as route changes. If that were to happen, not on August 1st of a year, what does that look like and what does it mean for students living in off-campus apartments um, if we change in January? I do think there's the uh, general goal that if off-campus apartments are connected to campus today, they would still be connected after route redesign. Um, But I think we'll need greater clarity on what our final proposed scenario looks like before there's comfort in um, really knowing exactly when uh, when route redesign is implemented across both city and university routes. We are moving forward on, um, you know, collecting a lot of comments I believe we had 244 respondents to our survey on the two different scenarios. And that was both using the Lawrence listens online platform, but also. Um, um, Hundreds of discussions with people we had on buses or at the bus platform um, at some of the events that Nick alluded to, teaming up with the pedestrian plan efforts, doing tabling events at places like um, Just Food and um, other community centers, the library. um, getting input from people on how they use routes today, what they'd like to see from from future routes and all of that input, 244 respondents. Um, There were, I believe, 555 unique comments we got from people Uh, digesting that into a final recommended scenario. We're working with Foursquare, the consultant and KU on um, what route, Structure would work for both of us um, in a final recommended scenario. And Force Girl will be starting to assign frequencies, um, span of service for all these different routes. So that the next time we come back out to the public, we have a lot clearer picture of what route redesign means for people. Um, I think there were you know, a number of questions where people are open to certain uh, route alignments, but would wait to see, you know, if this bus comes every hour, I think something different about it than if it comes every 20 or 30 minutes that can make a big difference to people and if I support different route structures. So we are moving towards that Um, again. This will be another thing where in January, this upcoming January is likely when we'll be ready to really get that back out in front of the public. Um, So we're working through a lot of the technical back end stuff right now um, to see what we can afford. But uh, the intent again is to have that that come out and get a lot more feedback um, uh, from people and still have room to adjust and tweak based on what we hear, but we hope that we are. um, That we're getting pretty close to the mark in the final recommended scenario that will come out um, early next year. Again, I'll pause to see if there's any thoughts, questions, feedback on that project.
2: I hear none. Uh, thank you for that, Adam.
3: All right. So, uh, mobile fare payments? Yes, so this one will be brief. Uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager. We had mobile fare payments go live shortly before, uh, week before Thanksgiving. Um, we have uh, seen some adoption of it. We continue to put out more social media. We will be working in the future on a uh, short video to help uh, People see what it's like to download the app, purchase fare, walk onto a bus using it. Um, I've been using it some myself to get used to it and get the operators seeing it. Um, but what we hear from operators is it's been working well. Um, we have uh, just over 30 unique um, paying passengers who've used it so far. So um, adoption is starting to creep up, and I imagine as as people hear about it more, we'll, we'll see more adoption. Again, one of the big benefits to passengers, um, you know, obviously not not having to travel to uh, grocery stores in town to purchase paper fare, being able to do it um, from your smartphone, not having to use a transfer slip when you move from one bus to another, um, which is a paper process that, that people have to use right now. Um, so we're excited to see how, how it continues to move. Um, but we are seeing seeing people use it and hearing good things back from operators about um, how it's working for them. Any thoughts or questions about mobile fare? Right, and then uh, last item on the list is uh, infrastructure bill and funding impacts. Um, I alluded to this in the strategic plan and that we don't have. Um, a lot of detail right now, but there, it does look um, like they're projecting a, well, there is an actual 34% increase in um, formula funding. Um, Now, whether or not we experience that exact percentage increase in our apportionment is yet to be known. Um, So we'll learn more about that. That would be a very big deal to us um, that if, if we got the straight 34%, that's about three quarters of a million dollars, about $750,000 more in formula funds each year, which could go a long way um, towards, you know, efforts for fare free without reducing service, Um, could be invested in greater frequency, Um, you know, could be used for a lot of different things, but formula funds are based off of, you know, your city's population, population density, the number of revenue hours you have on the street, so it's pretty dependable funding um, that, that we get each year, um, which would be quite exciting if that were to go up by by such a substantial increase. Um, th- those operational dollars are the hardest dollars to figure out, um, you know, how to increase. You have to find new funding from somewhere. Um, there are also, you know, ev- every competitive pot is bigger than it has been before. So I think, you know, we've been. Uh, very successful in going after electric buses and uh, these capital improvements that we'd like to do. Um, seemingly, the the amount of funding in each of those uh, those grant programs will be larger. So, you know, we'll continue to um, write grants like they are highly competitive because they are. Um, but uh, one would think with with bigger pots of money, we should uh, theoretically have more easier success in trying to to get granted those when we pursue them um, so not not that we'll get too confident we'll we'll act like we're <laughs> fighting for the last dollar there uh, as we write our uh, write our grant applications but um, i think we're very hopeful i think we're waiting to see um, you know like i said more information from APTA and other national groups who can help digest exactly what the bill might mean for us. We'll know exactly what it means when the federal apportionment information comes out, um, but we're waiting, waiting for all of that. So that's where I'll leave that one, but happy to
2: answer questions or, or thoughts about this.
0: Uh, I, I just generally appreciate the idea that we can get that much more money and have, I would assume increased odds of winning grants in the future, so it makes it a lot easier for us to realize a lot of my goals for our transit system.
2: Uh, any PTEC members have comments, questions, concerns for uh, Adam about that news? Okay. Well, that is the uh, last item on
0: the agenda for this meeting, which is the last meeting for this committee in 2021. I just want to thank everyone who is here today, especially the PTAC members who've been here for most of this past year, uh, meeting remotely, trying to guide something in a really odd environment. So thank you very much for your time and effort in doing so. Uh already said this, Nick, be sad to see you go, but uh, wish you good luck with MTC and what else you're doing. Hope you have good things ahead for you. And for those of you who are going to continue on PTAC with myself and uh, Lance Fahey next year, our next meeting will be on January 10th. I presume it will still be remote. I know that the city commission has flipped to starting to do stuff in person, but I haven't heard anything about guidance for city advisory boards changing yet. So I'm kind of loath to even think about that. Um, Yeah, we should plan on remote. Perfect, thank you for confirming that. Uh, uh, So with that, unless someone else has something really burning hot that they wanna get off their chest, I'll give you five seconds. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Meeting is then adjourned. Thank you very much, everyone, and we'll see you in
2: a few weeks. Thanks, Mike. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Bye, team.